Just a quick note before we start this week's show, I'm sure you're well aware of the things The Ugly Inside does over at TheUglyInside.net and on their YouTube channel, but this month they're doing something a little bit more. You can help them change the face of men's health by donating to their Movember page, helping raise vital funds to battle prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and men's mental health. Grow a mo, save a bro, and donate to their Movember page. The link is in the show notes, and I, and men all around you, appreciate it. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson and I'm the host of the show and I'd like to thank you for joining us. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. I hope that you enjoy what we have in store for you today. Obviously, we're coming off of a weekend where we scored four goals in a season where we had only scored nine, with three of those being penalties. So things are slightly more upbeat, slightly more positive this week. Hopefully, that is a theme that continues as we move forward, uh, although we do play Man City uh, midweek, so we never know what happens there. But um uh, obviously, it's it's just one match. It doesn't necessarily solve all of the issues that we have or maybe all of the complaints that we have. But to kind of put it all in perspective this week is my guest returning to the show for a third time, Jamie Grant. Uh, Jamie runs the Saints Report both on Twitter and Instagram. He has some help. We'll talk about all that stuff once we get him here. Um, so I hope that you enjoyed the show that we have for you. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you heard at the very top of the show, um, me talk about Movember and, and not only the, the cancer research that goes into, but also men's mental health. And, uh, Jamie and I are friends. We've, we've been friends for some time now and we've shared some stories about, um, struggles with mental health and depression. And, um, after he heard the episode with Kiko Rodriguez, he mentioned that he may want to come back and talk, uh, about, about that about his story. So that makes it into this episode. Not all of what he said came in, but uh, a good portion of it did. So somewhere around the 38th or 40th minute of the podcast, you'll hear um, some talk about depression. Hopefully that's okay. Uh, If not, you can skip ahead about 10 minutes when you get there and uh, we'll pick up with uh, some listener questions there at the end. But I think it was uh, fitting uh, based on Movember and all that stuff. Uh, And also the fact that that Jamie had the courage and willingness to share that, um, something that he's been fairly private about. I wanted to honor Jamie in uh, being able to, to to talk about that. So um, I hope that our conversation will help someone out there. And also, uh, if you missed the episode earlier, I think it's episode 27 with Kiko Rodriguez, uh, Jay Rodriguez's dad. We talked about mental health exclusively in that episode. Um, it is The link to that is in the show notes, so you can be sure to check that out if that's something that you are interested in. And um, like I said, it takes a lot of courage to talk about it, so I really appreciate Jay being willing to do that. But Before we jump into the show, I just wanted to give all U.S.-based Saints fans a heads up. The Premier League in USA is giving U.S. fans a chance to see their favorite Premier League team live and in person. If you win, you will get airfare, hotel accommodations, transportation to and from the match, and two tickets for you and a winner to see a Premier League match of your choice. Entering is easy. Do it on Twitter by following the Premier League in USA. The link is in the show notes. And retweeting their golden ticket tweets. You can follow them on Instagram like their picks, and tag two friends in the comments of their contest picks, and that will give you another chance to see Saints live and in person. Once again, the links are in the show notes, so do not hesitate. Enter now 
And hopefully you can be on your way to St. Mary's to watch Southampton score some goals, even if it is just against a crappy Everton. And now, here's my interview with Jamie Grant. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, FFSJ, who runs or helps run the Saints Report. Obviously, you've been on the show before, Jamie, uh, but uh, welcome back. And, and a lot has changed since, uh, since, since you've last been on. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, a lot has uh, changed since I've last been on. Uh, better circumstances, I think, today, not just because of the win, uh, but because, you know, we're not talking about the sacking of a manager and kind of speculating on what the future is. Because um, last time you were on, of course, uh, Puel had just gone. We both thought DeBoer was going to come in. Uh, we got Pellegrino instead. I know we had some worries about him, but um, turns out that the, the kind of things that we thought might happen uh, didn't necessarily happen, but there definitely have been other issues. But um, before we jump into into the match today against Everton and talk about that, obviously, uh, you know, kind of, kind of on a high right now, coming off of that match just uh, a few minutes ago, really. But let's talk about the Saints report just a little bit. Uh, it's available on Twitter, Instagram, and I believe Facebook as well. Yeah, it is. I know we've we've mentioned it before, and you can find it on Twitter at the Saints Report. Uh, same thing on Instagram, and we've never really talked about what that looks like for you on on a match day like today or any other day. Um, so, so kind of my question to you is, what kind of uh, what does that look like for you when you start, you know, watching a match and 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 kind of keeping up with the match and and putting things out mid match and things like that? Well, it's a bit different with Twitter because I've actually uh, I got. Uh, Jack, who's on obviously Twitter as Viva Virgil, he does the Twitter side and I do the Instagram side because obviously he used to help me before with 12 man sport, which we used to do before. So he's, so he does the Twitter side now and I do the Instagram side, like with the photos, obviously. And so I now concentrate more on Instagram than I do with Twitter okay. now, sort of thing. Do you find Instagram to be, I almost feel like Instagram is, is less frequent. Maybe because I, I mean, I probably sent an ungodly number of tweets today during the match, both in frustration at moments and, and, and excitement and trying to keep up with the game. But with Instagram, can you really post, you know, every five minutes or so or how like how many posts like per match would you would you say you, you put out on a match day? One thing that I know about a new feed on Instagram is obviously spamming. And I try not to do as much spam. Like Obviously, I'll post photos of the goals. Like today, I, I think I posted up three photos, obviously, of Austin celebrating and a couple. But I try not to, because I said on Twitter, obviously, you can put out as many tweets as possible. But on Instagram, I try and be a bit more, I say I try and put less posts, because obviously, I don't want to spam my followers with just photos all over the place. Because I, like I said, there's so many photos out there, so I can keep posting and posting. But no, I try and keep it down to a minimum if possible. With that, I, there has been some recognition even from the club. I believe you were invited uh, or had the opportunity. Uh, I don't think you can make it, but down to Staplewood a couple of weeks ago, I think. So, uh, I mean, that account has. I mean, how many account? How many followers does the account have? I believe it's kind of over seven. Yeah, we're on uh, currently on seventeen point seven k followers at this uh, as we stand right now. And it's, yeah, it's 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 very it is overwhelming for me because I never thought I'd get that high really well when i started it was i said it was quite i said i was quite early with it and i said it's taken me a good old few years to get to that sort of level but yeah 
At, okay, because when I first started the, the Twitter account, you know, you like look at every single new follower. You're like, man, that's one, and I got it, and that's that's great. At seventeen point whatever thousand, do you even notice when you lose a couple or gain a couple, or is it just when it jumps to like seventeen point three or seventeen point four or seventeen point? You know. Well, I did hit the seventeen point eight mark, and then it went down to seven point. Because obviously, normally I put out a, like a thank you when I hit like a milestone, like when I hit seventeen k, I put thanks for the so eight. Obviously, I hit seventeen eight, and then it went down again. But what had happened was because I obviously I do giveaways, people follow me for a minute, and then when the giveaway's over, I get an influx of unfollowers. Okay. So, which obviously I I understand because people follow obviously for a giveaway. If they don't win it, they're like, well, what's the point of carrying carrying on following sort of thing? So I I noticed it in that sense, but I try not to. Because I said I because people might think oh he's after followers, but really not. Do you know what I mean? I don't do it for the follow. Obviously, it's nice. It's an achievement for myself to get that amount of people following me. But obviously, it's not a. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I don't boast it or right, right, right. I try not to make it. Do you know what I mean? Make a meal out of it sort of thing. Well, I think that, I mean, they're coming to you because you're presenting the things that they want to see. You know, you're, you're providing a good quality kind of product or I don't, I hate the, the word content, but you're providing good content for people and that's what they come for. And if you have those people who are jumping around from club to club or whatever, just to get the, the giveaway to try to get a free ticket, that that's different. Um, yeah. And, and, you know. Yeah, it happens. I mean, like I said, I've, I've had comments on there. People, I mean, at the, obviously due to the, bad form statements have been i've had i've had some block off comments lately and I, and I understand the frustrations but i tried obviously i did put a photo out a couple of weeks ago after the i can't think what match it was with a pellegrino out photo which mm-hmm. i don't usually do but i was that annoyed i just like put it on there which i don't that's it's not normally my thing i don't normally get involved in all that Right, but I said it's just and like, but I understand. I said people obviously will comment and stuff. So I sort because obviously on Instagram you can turn off comments. Obviously Twitter's a bit different because you can't obviously you can block the person, but obviously I can't block a person. Do you know what I mean? Just right all right. the time. So I was I said no one would follow on Twitter otherwise. Do you find it harder to to make posts and and do things and keep the keep it kind of flowing when we're in a run of bad form or when things are going as poorly as they have been recently? Well, I think that's another reason why people obviously don't, like I said, people don't obviously follow the page. Well, they do follow the page, obviously. I still get a decent amount of likes on a post. But like I said, during that, obviously, our bad spell, it's obviously a lot of people are not happy. So they put their frustration out on the page. And obviously, I get, and obviously, due to obviously Van Dyke in the summer, whenever I put a Van Dyke photo up, people respond with, he's a snake, he's, he's that. And obviously, I, after like I said, because obviously I just post photos of what of Southampton and obviously Virgil's in the Southampton show and obviously we had all that in the summer, but and I just right. post that. Obviously people say, Oh, why are you posting photos of him and stuff like that? So like I said it's when it's not going well it is a bit tough. But you have to sort of accept people's emotions with it and sort of just carry on with it as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that kind of does it for kind of the work side of it. And Kind of looking back on the rest of the season prior to today, what were your kind of thoughts coming into today? Did you think today was a, I don't want to say a must win, but did you think today was it was a game that we had to kind of win and then Pellegrino was maybe actually fearing for his job? I try to stay positive with Southampton games, but I found it very hard lately to stay positive. And today I was, I, I knew, to, I said today for me was a must win. It was 
I said it was need, we needed a result. Um, obviously, Everton have had their problems, and I just felt it was a game that Southampton could win, and obviously we did win. Um, but obviously, I went into the game not positive. As, and I said not a lot of people did go into it with a lot of positive, obviously, because everyone was like, oh, well, Everton will probably get a result. and But obviously... They didn't, and we did. And I said we played well today. But obviously, it's how we move forward from this is the thing that's on my mind now, moving forward, sort of thing. Absolutely. Let's let's go ahead and deal with the game today because I think that is the. I mean, it's obviously the thing we're going to talk about the most, and we'll look ahead to City just a little bit as well. But uh, I I think coming off today, this was it was an exciting match. It wasn't. I think what we've come to expect over the past two years or so of watching Saints or past season and a half um, under Powell and under Pellegrino, we've kind of seen this kind of slow, methodical kind of almost plodding football. And today the kind of the pace was, was there in, in the passing and in the, the one touch and, and things like that, that I thought were, I mean, it's more exciting to watch, even if it doesn't always come off. And oftentimes when you do that, you cut teams open and carve teams open, and then you have chances and Jumping back to to when the lineups were released, I got up as the lineups. I woke up as the lineups were were out. Not gonna lie, when I looked at the lineup and I saw Hoiberg in there, and I saw Ward Prowse in there, and I saw Austin in there, I kind of rubbed my eyes and looked again and said, "Are are you sure this is what's happening?" And and sure enough. So uh, when you saw the lineup come out, what did you make of it? And were you at all kind of disappointed or excited or how did you feel? Well, when I first saw the lineup, I said I put out a tweet saying I I was unsure what to think about it. Obviously, I was pleased to see Hoiberg play as I, I said I think he's been deserving of a chance and it was obviously an easy choice with obviously Lamina coming back from an injury on the bench and obviously Romeo getting suspended which I was I must admit before the game really worried me but yeah and then also and obviously um Austin started and I said I thought Gabardini might have got the the call ahead of him but I said it was one of them for the manager. If it works, he's a genius. If it did, if it didn't work, people would have said, "Why didn't Gabardini play?" And obviously, the gamble paid off for Pellegrino today. Yeah, the looking at the lineup, that is a it's a much different look to it, even with just those three changes. And I have not been the biggest fan of Austin. Looking at his, I guess just his fitness, and I guess it's not the type of striker that I like, but. I can't fault him at all for how he played today. He got into good positions. Um, he did have the the two chances early, but um, you look at, at those two headers that he put away and they were both magnificent. They were both brilliant. And to be in those yeah. positions and to attack the ball that way, uh, just to put himself about the way he did, it, he plays really, really well and he scores goals. And, and that, and that is what he did today. And I was really, really happy with that. But um People were kind of upset on Twitter in terms of uh, Tadic starting over Redmond. Did you make anything of that, or were you okay with Tadic being on the field? The thing is, there's not a lot of options, really, because they both obviously play on that side, and uh, obviously both of them haven't been on the best of form. But I thought Tadic played not too bad today. I thought he's, it was one of his better performances. He hasn't played, to me, his standard this season. But I think today he did show a little bit of improvement Obviously, obviously, he got a goal as well, which at that time was a good, good goal from him. I thought. Looking at Buffal playing through the middle uh, in that attacking formation, do you think that's his spot? Do you think he's starting to find his groove there a little bit, um, and just allowing him to kind of roam free wherever he feels? Do you think that is what he needs to be able to to do? I mean, the commentators here said every time 
um, he did a back heel or did something kind of fancy, Pellegrino would jump out of his seat. And I don't know what it, what they meant, if that meant he was yelling at him or if he was just kind of worried. Because I'll be honest, like when he starts doing that stuff, sometimes I'm like, don't do it too much, you know, like make the pass. But I don't I think today he it was just the right amount of flair uh, in, in most instances. Yeah, I mean, him, I think the one thing that he was missing was a run of games. And a lot of obviously different fans said that he needed a run in the team and he's finally got that I think I might I could be wrong and people will probably say I'm wrong I think this is his fifth game in a row now of playing I think I could be wrong I saw I think Sky Sports said that he this was his fifth game in a row it could be four I might be wrong obviously that'll probably be corrected on that other time but yeah he him finally getting a run in the team I think is helping him get confident and some of the tricks he done I was sometimes thinking maybe that's too much but every time he done a trick it will come off for him so I mean it just depends on how it works I mean like I said if it doesn't come off for him you're going why are you doing that and if it does and you score a goal you're praising him so yeah it depends how it yeah yeah but sometimes I think that we need the risk taker you know especially if it's if, there, if, if anything's going to bring us out of this kind of slow and and kind of boring aspect of, of how we've been playing. If anybody can break that, it's, it's going to be a guy like Buffal who's going to kind of take it upon himself to, to create an opening. And then hopefully a teammate or two are there to, for him to play off of and do something with. And, and I think that's kind of what we saw today. It seemed like every time I, I saw it was, it was, there were little triangles down both flanks where Cedric was getting forward early in the first half. And Bertrand obviously uh, created the chance for, for Austin in the second half along with Tadic. And it was, it was kind of, you know, the, the entire team was involved versus just a moment of brilliance. Like when Gabby Dini scored earlier this season or when Buffal had that goal against West Brom. Yeah. So um, overall, I think that that was, that was great, but kind of, Right off the off the bat, I thought the team played really, really well. I think I thought the intensity was there. Obviously, we had that that chance for Austin early. Uh, he put it into the seats, and then there was a there was some talk on, of the commentators here. Uh, Buffal kind of got to the byline, got had two defenders there, got by one into the penalty area and kind of got tripped and didn't go down. Um, and early on they were kind of talking, uh, you know, should he have gone down under the under that that challenge? And I think we've seen other players go down easily there um but even everton have been or was missing an attacker today due to a retroactive suspension the first of that for for successfully misleading the referee into giving a decision but um did did you think he should have gone down there do you think he did the right thing by staying on his feet well when i saw him on the ball i thought he had control and i didn't think he needed to go down i think he had control of the situation and i and i think some players now are probably wary, as you alluded to, Everton had a striker missing today. And I think players will now become more wary because obviously if you do, let's say, take a dive and they obviously they find, because obviously they inve- I think they now investigate clips of it, give out bans. So I think players now will become a bit more wary of coming down, uh, sorry, going down. And uh, some, I mean, some people in that instance would have gone down and, and I said, but I think he had control of it. Like he, I think he knew what he was doing without needing to fall down. But some players in that situation would have fallen down. But I think I, I said since that rules come in about the diving, I think that's changed players' views on how to deal with that sort of situation. Yeah, and I think oftentimes we see 
attackers go down when they lose the ball in that situation when they realize oh i've taken a heavy touch or if it's, it's just bounced off the defender or whatever it is it's getting away from me now i'm going to go down and hope i can get something out of it and and like you said he had control and he, eventually he lost it and nothing came of it but i thought he did i mean it's the right thing to do i don't like guys who go down easily but sometimes when it's your team you kind of like go down man we need a goal we need to get on top but um like you said i think he did he did the right thing um there were a couple instances early on where I felt Tadich gave the ball away a bit. Slo- uh, he was a bit sloppy with it, kind of led to an opportunity maybe for Everton to to have a crack at goal. And I was really worried that it was going to be something like that that was going to lead to us um, conceding. And I thought that if we conceded a goal, because the, the atmosphere around the ground, at least from the TV coverage, when the players came out, it was dead. There, it didn't seem like anybody yeah. was cheering. Didn't seem like anybody was happy. So. Uh, the the idea that if we went down one nil off of a giveaway like that, uh, especially coming off of last week where Tadish gave the ball away so easily uh, for Liverpool's first goal, I really felt that that could have turned the tide and the, and the crowd would not have would would have been quick to kind of turn, um, understandably. But didn't happen. Moving forward a little bit, Cedric was really really giving uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson a hard time down that line. He kept beating him over and over and over. Didn't he? Sigurdsson didn't look comfortable. Austin hits the post, and then eventually, uh, we we break through in the 18th minute with with Tadic scoring that goal, and that that goal came from like like we said earlier, com- a complete team kind of buildup. It wasn't just a, a moment of individual brilliance, um, but for him to make that run, for Bertrand to lay that ball in there so perfectly, I thought it was it was it was a great team goal overall. Um, at that moment, what what were your, what what thoughts were going through your head? How were you feeling about about the team at that point? Um, about 20 minutes in, uh, up 1-0. Well, I mean, as soon as we went 1-0 up, I just thought, right, like I said, it's always a cliche, but I just thought we needed that second goal. And obviously, from I, don't, I think when we went 1-0, we sort of, um, I said it was alluded to on the coverage of on Sky Sports that Alan Pardew said that, obviously the former Southampton manager, said that uh, we cruised for a little bit after the goal, which I think we did. I think we sort of went 1-0 up and was like, okay, We'll deal with this, and then obviously we got hit by the equaliser, which I just thought was so undeserving. So I just thought when we went one nil up, we should have tried to build on it, and obviously, and obviously, eventually we did obviously build on it. But I thought in that space of time, we should have kept going for it rather than started to cruise a little bit. Yeah, I think the idea is, you know, always we as fans, and I think the players would be telling themselves, okay, let's let's keep going, let's make this, let's make this kind of unwinnable for Everton. Let's put them down by another goal. But then there's also that thing where, well, now we have a lead. Let's try to protect it. But for the first 20 minutes or so, I thought Everton was pinned really, really far back. And for the most part, I thought that we were winning the ball high up the pitch. We were forcing Everton into making mistakes. And I thought that if we kept doing that, there was no way Everton was going to get back in the game. But then I think Everton had a substitution early on uh, through injury that forced them to change their formation, to change the way they played. And, And it pulled Sigurdsson kind of into the middle, which I think uh, really benefited um, them. Baines had to come off due to injury and Asha Williams came on and that forced, uh, like I said, Sigurdsson into the middle. And I thought that really actually changed um, the game in in terms of how Everton were playing, especially because Cedric had been beating Sigurdsson down the line over and over and over. Um, We had a couple of other opportunities in the first half. Um, Hoiberg won the ball back a couple of times. And it just looked like every time there was a second ball, uh, to win, we were we were winning it, or at least getting close, and we were putting in challenges and and things like that. And I thought that was um, fantastic. Um, 
I was a little frustrated um, moving towards the 40th minute that we hadn't quite gotten the second goal. We had had opportunities and you can kind of feel the momentum. We had sat back for a little while and now we were kind of coming forward again, but we weren't getting the goal. And then um, Sigurdsson scored that that goal that I don't really know how to how to describe it other than it it was kind of perfect. Like, I don't think I don't think you save that. Um, if you're Forrester or anybody else, but what did you make of, of that strike and how did you feel kind of, what were your thoughts when it, when it went in? Um, well, to be honest, I mean, Fraser Forster's, I think six foot six, six foot seven. Uh, and to beat, like I said, to beat him in the air like that, I mean, it was, it was a moment of class. I mean, Sigurdsson is a good player. I, I said, I, I know he's been linked with Southampton in the past and he's always had that. Thing about him, but it was just one of them moments where, it, like I said, because we were cruising for a little bit after the goal, it was one of them. Obviously, like I said, there was nothing you could really do about it. I mean, you can you could maybe complain that Forster. Well, unless, I don't know. Now, I suppose Forster couldn't have got it really, but it was just one of them. You could see it coming, but you obviously it was under. I thought it was an undeserving equaliser because I said Saints. I thought. When they won, went one nil out, Everton weren't going to get back into the game at all. So it was one of, the, but like I said it was a class goal. Like I said it was just one of those moments where you could see it coming. That's that's how I felt when it went in anyway, and was gutted obviously when it went in. When it went in, I was upset because I felt that, you know, it, it's not a, the game isn't always fair, but I felt that we had we didn't deserve that. That 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 wasn't something that I don't think reflected how the first half had played out. But I also realized that we have benefited from goals this season. Uh, you know, you look at uh, at Buffal's goal, you look at at um, the goal that Gabby Dini scored from open play. We didn't necessarily deserve those either. So I think it all kind of balances out. But at the, in that moment, I was I was gutted, like you said, I was disappointed. Um, and then to go into halftime tied one one, having having I think outplayed them handily. Uh, it, it was, it was very, very frustrating, but, um, even, even so going into halftime, I, I was really pleased with our positive start. I thought the passes that we were making, the pace at which we were passing were, were great. Um, uh, the fact that we were creating chances and then our wing play was great that both fullbacks seemed to be getting forward and beating their men. Um, I was a little disappointed though, that we only had only scored one goal. Um, Austin had missed a few chances, but I think that's harsh. And that's not just because he scored two goals in, in the second half. I think it was, uh, they, they weren't the easiest of chances, but I think he, he, he did his, his role or played his role. But, um, despite the dominance, we were even, and I think that was a, that was a negative going in. Um, I know we talk about possession and not always being that, that big of a deal, but we had 71% possession and I don't think we were wasting it. I don't think we were passing it around in our own third or in our own half. Uh, most of the match, I thought we were going forward with a lot more. Um, our passes were great uh, in terms of percentage of passing. It was 86% passing accuracy. Uh, so I thought that those things were all great. We created seven attempts, uh, but only managed to hit the target once. Um, so a little bit concerned going in and tied 1-1. But when we were coming out for the second half, what what were you expecting to change? From Were you expecting a change from the manager at all? Were you expecting substitutions immediately? Or what did you think might happen? Well, I thought one thing... From half time, which I, I thought, um, I'm trying to remember. I read a tweet, someone was spot on with it. I can't think who it was. I think it was, was it Archer's Road End? Was it? I think. And I, and I agreed with that. I thought, but I said it was the team talk was, I thought was very important because I said that they either could have come out and crumbled second half or come out and played how they did and got the win in the end. So it was, 
I think, like I said, the team talk at half-time was crucial, but I didn't think any changes were needed because I thought we were playing well. I didn't think anyone needed to change. I just thought we just need to carry on how we started the first half in the second half, as in like in the early parts, obviously. But I thought we needed to carry on that on in the second half to put the game to Everton and put them to bed like obviously we did in the end. So coming into the second half, I thought, like you said, we needed to continue to to play that way. Uh, to to kind of put pressure on them, and I and Everton have been so poor recently that the chances of them kind of sustaining uh, or being able to hold out even for a draw uh, weren't that great. But it was kind of a you know uh, a situation where we're not really we don't score very many goals. We haven't scored very many goals. So, um, but as moving forward for the second goal, um, Bertrand put in just a fabulous cross for Austin and Austin's header. I think we mentioned it earlier um, was great. It was powerful. He got up, he did all the right things. Uh, and then it seemed like as soon as, or even before we can kind of finish that off and, and finish talking about it or thinking about it, um, he, he'd done it again. And this time it was across from Tadich and I made a mistake. I tweeted that it was Bertrand again. Um, but, but it was, it was Tadich to Austin this time. Um, and once again, I thought he, he did a really, really good job of attacking space. I think Ashley Williams messed up, uh, left him too, too open. But when those two goals went in, uh, how confident were you that we were going to see this game out and actually hold on for the win and, and maybe not even just hold on, but continue uh, to dominate the game? thing is, the second, as I said, once the second went in, I just looked at Everton because they obviously this season, they've been very, well, I don't know what's happened with them. I mean, everyone's expecting big top six from them this season. Now they're more likely in the bottom six, obviously, at the moment. So I, and I looked at them and thought, a couple of goals will demoralise them because obviously they played the Europa League on Thursday night and lost 5-1, I think it was. So I had a feeling that it was like, because I think it was a bit of a repeat. I think Everton, I think Atlanta sort of done what we did to them, like put a couple of goals past them and then obviously the team's morale went down and I just thought we could actually, I thought we could have got at least five in the end. I thought, because like I said, Everton's, for me, they're a shadow. I don't, I don't know what's happened now. I mean, I think there's loads of, loads of problems with them. But I just thought they're there for the taking. Once the second and third one, and I thought Saints can either go and really put it to them and you know what I mean, get four, five, six, or that's how. But if we were taking our chance in the first half, it could have been a six-one game. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know. So yeah, it could have been a high-scoring game anyway. Like a really, yeah, it could have been massive. Um. What about today's performance? And and I won't discount. Uh, we don't want to forget about Davis's goal later on in the game. But what what impressed you most about today's performance from from the team? It was just the it was just the improvement of I don't know. Like there was a couple of players in there with points to prove, like Austin Hoiberg. Obviously, War Prowse hasn't been getting much time. Um, I just thought there were some players there who were just gave it a real good go, and and I think it helped. It helped us because, like I said, Hoyberg obviously he's obviously been waiting for his chance for a very long time, and he's been very patient with it. And obviously today he took that chance. And Austin now was given a bit of a headache to Pellegrino now because obviously with Man City coming up, Willie. Some people would probably suggest that I would they would leave Austin out of Man City and leave him for Bournemouth, which is more winnable. But obviously that's a debate on its own because obviously for me. I would look at playing some different players of the Man City game and then keep 
people like Austin for the Bournemouth game, which is more for uh, for us winnable. So yeah, it's definitely. I think it's definitely given some more headaches to Pellegrini, which you want as a manager. You want players knocking on your door, and that's the point. That's obviously the point of him making the changes. Obviously, and we and obviously we've been crying out for a goal scorer, and Charlie Austin today has shown as he has over the years, he can score goals, and he's you know never changed from that. Cause he's that's what he is. He's a poacher in the box, and obviously he's a goal scorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, absolutely. You know, he was taken off late on. Mostly just uh, he picked up, a, I think, a bit of a knock uh, stretching for a ball. So we'll, hopefully he'll be fine. Uh, and it looked like Gabby Dini was going to come on. It was his birthday uh, on on the match day. But uh, it looked like he was going to come on. But I think after we went up 3-1, uh, there was no need to bring him on. And they brought Long on just to kind of, you know, basically get the ball and run towards the corner. Um, because we all know he's probably not going to score. Um, but Davis's goal kind of... Uh, I, I thought it was a beautiful strike. Maybe a, a slight shout for handball on on Ward Prowse uh, when controlling it before he laid it back to him. But I thought that was fantastic, and I thought it was good for him to score. And I thought it was once again good for us just to to finish that game off, kind of on a positive, where there was no doubt who the better team was, who played better, who created the better chances, and to get goals from three different players from open play, uh, something that we haven't done uh, all year. I think I thought it was great. But for me, the most impressive thing about today was wasn't even the goal scoring it was uh, like I, I said before it was it was the pace of the passing it was the kind of the intensity that we played with and the willingness to to go and win balls uh to take it to Everton not to kind of sit back and almost give them too much credit we we forced them into making mistakes and and the way that you know when you have a a, a situation where we where we have where we're not necessarily playing well sometimes i think that players tend to put too much of that on themselves and, and try to do too much themselves and i think today we saw that that team played as a team and in the right moments did the did the extra things as as individuals to to make sure that we won and i thought that to me was was maybe the the best thing coming out of this and i think it'll be it'll bring a lot of confidence going forward obviously the man city game coming up ahead is not the greatest game to to kind of go into next but no. I think we'll definitely go to Manchester with a little bit of confidence and a little bit of swagger and, and, and make Manchester city beat us. And I think if we put forth the kind of effort we put forth today and we lose, so be it. I think, I think we'll, we'll be okay with that. But I also, like I said earlier, it's one game. We can't get too excited. Um, I'm looking at a picture on my screen right now from, from fresh saints, um, Everton's back line, they are not at all in a straight line. It is a disaster. Um, so they were bad today, but I thought we played really, really well. And I think we made them look bad uh, or maybe even slightly worse than, than they actually are. The thing is, this result will come out as Everton being poor in Christ. I mean, don't get me wrong, Everton were very poor today, but they've been poor all season. And it's shown more because obviously due to the amount of money they've spent, uh, it will come out as... They were poor. Saints had an easy game. Saints had this, but we still had to put in the performance. We, like I said, we're we're not uh, firing all cylinders ourselves, and we had to. Do you know what I mean? Us scoring four goals, I couldn't see happening myself. So we need to give the team some credit. Like, you won't get it from the pundits. They'll say, like I said, because of due to the big for all. Obviously, Everton have got a billionaire owner. They've not spent all that money. Right, right, right. It's more Everton crisis rather than Saints made them look terrible which uh, that's the media unfortunately but we all know it was a good Saints performance is there a match of the day for you guys on on, mat- on Sundays 
Yeah, I don't normally. I haven't watched it for a while. Um, I had, I had stopped for a while due to the fact whenever we do not win, I don't watch it. That's just me. I just some people do watch it just to see it, but I, obviously I have my moan on Twitter and then I try and move on from it. So, but yeah, there's one on tonight at half ten. Half ten, yeah, half ten. So I'll probably watch it again. Yeah, well, you get to see the goals and and, and things like that, and. Get some analysis, but like you said, the, there's a good chance that it'll be Everton's mistakes and uh, Everton kind of in crisis versus uh, Saints playing well. And uh, I think I can kind of understand that because I think you know you look at Southampton and and we've been pretty bad, you know, and it, it's been it's been hard to kind of take positives from it. But I think today, um, you know, obviously it's still very fresh in my mind. But I think today was was a really positive performance and, and something that I, I, you know, it's what we all wanted. It's what we all hoped for. Um, and it happened, but I think we should point out that Everton were forced to make two changes today um, to their back four through injury. So that definitely helped. But uh, by the time they made one, we were already ahead um, by, by three, uh, three to one. So I don't think that's uh, a big deal. And I actually think that that first injury helped them in terms of, in the moments following that injury, we didn't create as many chances as we had before. So I don't think you can you can put all of that on on their kind of misfortune in terms of injury. But you know, I'm sure somebody will will try to spin it that way. Um, yeah. So coming out of this match, we created 17 total attempts. We were on target with five of them. 67% possession. Passing accuracy was 85%. Um, those are FIFA numbers, I think. You know, those are not those are not real life numbers, especially uh, for us this year. And that moves us up to 10th in in the table, uh, 16 points, 13 goals, and we're six points off the drop zone now. And it, it and so I think that is something that we were worried about because before we were three points away, and that's one match, and that's one slip up, and with the schedule we have coming up, that's that's a huge worry. But I want to go back to something that you mentioned just a few minutes ago. You said that sometimes you when we lose you don't want to watch match of the day you kind of try to you know get it out of your system on twitter uh and then and then kind of avoid it but like uh we we talked before about dealing with dealing with depression and things like that does this does saints performances ever kind of trigger that for you does it does it make it harder for you to um to deal with or does it make you feel more down or is it usually kind of other things that that happen that that, that do that um well it it doesn't help it but obviously the the reasons behind the depression I've been dealing with are obviously different things. But obviously, normally, people say, well, you have something to be posit- positive in your life. And obviously, I'm a Southampton fan. And obviously, the performances of Southampton weren't helping. So, yeah, sometimes, I mean, after games, it left me quite down in the dumps. Uh, obviously, like I said, I, had, I was dealing with the depression anyway. And obviously, so, it, like I said, it didn't help me. Um, obviously, with depression, it's different days. I mean, some days I said I'm, I'm alright, and I mean, I mean, like today helped a lot. I thought, get, I said I'll put on my Instagram. It's been a while since that I've been able to smile after a game. But yeah, no, yeah. it does. I said it does. Um, I said the football didn't help. But obviously, normally people say, "Oh, looking to something positive." But like I said, obviously, I didn't have anything positive to look at. So yeah, no, it did. It did. Um, probably. I'm trying to think of the right word. It did. Not it didn't help it. If that's basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of compounds it and it kind of makes it worse at times. But you know, um, this week or this month, um, the ugly inside has been kind of supporting Movember and and uh, support of of both men's mental and physical health issues. So 
it's part of the reason we're talking about this. And, and, and we had talked beforehand about, about talking about this stuff, but, um, for you in, in dealing with that, what is like, what ways do you find are best for you to deal with, with that? How do you kind of try to bring yourself out of it, uh, when you are feeling down? Um, people will give you different things. People say, keep positive, do keep active, keep doing things, which I do do things. And, um, thing is, it's, it's quite a tough thing because, and obviously not a lot of people knew about it. And they, people obviously I see people say about coming out about it. And obviously and I put out a tweet saying about it and I got some really great messages from people and people saying that they're there for chats, but I find chatting about it doesn't ha- I mean I can talk about it but I just felt chatting didn't help me because obviously I was going through it and talking about it obviously reminded me of it more but yeah it's it's um it is a it's very a very tough thing to deal with I must admit yeah yeah um it's uh like you said it is tough to deal with and for me like you said, the football isn't necessarily the cause. Sometimes it makes it worse. Sometimes it, you know, if Saints lose, I'm in a bad mood and it just kind of carries on or, um, you know, we all have different kind of ways of, of, of dealing with it and of, of kind of working through it. Uh, I know for me, I get, I get upset if I don't get to like exercise and things like that. Uh, just go for a walk, just do something, uh, to kind of get my mind away from, from some of those things. But, you know, I, I know you know this, but we're all here for you. We have a, a group chat that, that we're in uh, together and we're all kind of, you know, we're there to be supportive. And sometimes, like you said, I, I've seen you step away from Twitter for a few days and uh, kind of just back off. And, and sometimes I think we all need to do that. So I think keeping that in your in your frame of mind is, is, is a good thing. I mean, social media is, I've had a few breaks off of it. And as I do try and keep away from it when it gets bad, because sometimes obviously, if you're not in the right frame of mind, you say things to people that necessarily you don't mean. And obviously, I'm obviously on Twitter. I'm a bit a bit different to how I I am now, sort of thing. So I'm a bit. So yeah, it's um obviously it's great. I said I'm supporting that, and it was quite a th- tough thing to put out because obviously normally when I tweet things, they're a bit. Do you know what I mean? They're a bit different, or but for that for me, I just felt because I did a video personally on my Instagram telling people. Because I said, obviously, I see people say people should just come out and say it, but you've got to build a, co- a courage to say whether, that you're dealing with it. And obviously, when I listened to your podcast where I think it was Kiko Rodriguez, uh-huh. I think that sort of made helped me with because obviously he said about I think he said to you about if anyone ever feels like that, they should let people know and not keep it hidden. And I and I use that as an inspiration for me, sort of like. I'll come out and say it and see how people... Because some people react with, oh, you're just in a bad mood. As you just alluded to with Saints, obviously there's a difference between a bad... Because obviously with Saints, I'm in a bad mood for a couple of hours and mm-hmm. then it's gone. With this, obviously I can... It can ruin my whole day. I mean, I normally... I Obviously I'm a console gamer, but one day I spent the whole day not even... I stayed in bed all day and just didn't want to talk to people. Like I said, I had, I've had weeks... Well, I'm want to speak to anybody. Literally, as you know, as yeah. you just said, I go on Twitter for two weeks and I just stopped talking to people. It, but like people would say, "Oh, you should talk to people." But sometimes I didn't want to talk to anybody. It was just I wanted to be on my own and in my own zone, and that's the way I dealt with it. So it's just how you. Some people deal with it differently, really. But I dealt with it how I thought was the right way to go with it. Because some people are different. Some people like to talk about it. Some people like to go in the. Going like 
like within their own shell. I think. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that's basically how I dealt with it myself. I think a lot of people tend to, I think, what they call shut down and just kind of block themselves off and put up walls because they, they you don't want to feel vulnerable. You know, like you said, coming out and telling somebody that you're dealing with this. A lot of times people are uncomfortable being told because they're not sure how to react and you're worried about how they're going to react. And, um, and it, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation for kind of everybody, but, um, yeah. it, if you can speak up about it and I would always, like, like, uh, Kiko said, I would encourage people to do so and find, find that one person who can, who, who, you know, you can speak to no matter who it is. Uh, and I think that getting that burden kind of off you, I think for me, Helps because I think sometimes the hardest thing for me to do is to tell my wife or you know my brother or or somebody else that I that I'm dealing with that. But once I do, there is always that kind of sense of like, okay, like I I can do this. So I I'm you know this, but but you know we're always we're always here for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I do. I said I appreciate it, and I said it's and I said I've got some great message from people saying that I could chat to any time, and it is it was actually quite it was a relief to me because I said I was worried about. Because obviously you do worry about reaction to people, and obviously the re- reaction was totally different to what you think. So it made me mm-hmm. feel better, and it was a big burden off my shoulders. So I was dealing with it on my own, and I just wanted to just let people know how I've been feeling the last few months, and obviously why I had been distant and things like that. So yeah, yeah. well, uh, do you want to answer a few questions uh, from some listeners before we we wrap this up? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I appreciate you talking about that. I know. Uh, it's I know it's hard, so I appreciate it. Yeah, it's the first time I've actually spoke about it properly. I said, but I was obviously I said with the uh, with it being the main focus this month, obviously with the brilliant work Ugly Inside are doing to promote it. I thought, well, it'd be a good time to talk about it, sort yeah. of thing. So yeah. need to talk about it today. Absolutely. Um, so we had a couple comments that I thought were kind of funny. Um, Shannon Smith, who's at Shannon Smith too, said the only th- uh, things that to make this game better were one, if this had been Kuman's last game and two, if Shane Long has ended his drought, obviously neither of those two things happened, but I still think today was, a, was a great game. But he also suggested we look at, at Hoiberg and how he kind of bossed the midfield today. He was, uh, he says he was both picking pockets at will and surely took this opportunity to show Pellegrino his quality. My question to you is, do you think that he makes the start? against City or against Bournemouth uh, in the weeks to come or in the matches to come? Or do you think he's goes back to the bench when both Romeo and Lamina are fit and available? Yeah, I mean, that's the... Yeah, that answer, you just sort of answered my question, really. Lamina and Romeo are ahead of him in that sort of... And they are, are, for me, our strongest midfielders. So the thing is, I just think it's helped Hoiberg in the sense of if he's needed, he's he's ready to be called upon. But I think Lamina and Romeo uh, are above him at this current moment. I mean, it could change in the future, but yeah, I think he, I said his performance was good today. And for me, it just helps him just show, like I said, it's shown the manager that he's reliable. And like I said, he he may start against um, Man City. Who knows? Like I said, it's up for the manager on that one, but he hasn't done, he certainly hasn't done himself any harm in, after today's performance. But yeah, I still would go with Lamina and Romeo, I think, still. Well, coming up, you know, there is a chance for him to, maybe he did establish himself as the third kind of central midfielder in, in, in the pecking order. But looking at the fact that I think we have something like nine games in the next four, five-ish weeks, the fact that we're going to play so many games in quick succession, 
there is the opportunity for him to to sneak in there. And I think the real question is when both Romeo and Lamina are are fit, where does Davis go? Who does Davis push out of the team? And and how does that look? Because I, I I think that that Hoiberg, even though he did a fantastic job yesterday, probably drops back to the bench, like you said. Because um, I think you know on the Total Saints podcast, Ben and and Adam were talking about the the idea that that we don't really have a, a true clear captain, and so I think the need to get Davis on the pitch might actually prevent Hoiberg from all, from from getting in the team uh, further, but. Um, Dan, who's at Holy Hoiberg, who obviously know, uh, loves Hoiberg very, very much. Uh, he says nearly a hat trick from Austin today, uh, as he hit the post in the first half, uh, has he solidified his place in the starting 11 for the coming weeks or did the service today improve and allow him to perform at that level? See, as I alluded to earlier with Austin, um, as we know, he, he's a goal scorer. Uh, I said a decision for me would be, would cause obviously Austin come off today I said with a slight knock, but he said after in the interview, he said that he was just feeling a bit rusty after starting, so he wasn't injured at all. But I think Pellegrino may look at Gabardini for Man City and then bring Austin back in for Bortle. But I said he could, I mean, for me, can Austin do three games in one hit? I mean, because obviously he's known for his injury problems, we don't want to risk any injury to him. So right. I think it is, like I said, today he's definitely shown, well, well I said, as I told you earlier, he's shown what he's about anyway so he's definitely put himself back in the mind of the manager after today yeah um somebody tweeted today you know because it looked like charlie austin got hurt a little bit at one point you know it was score two goals and get get injured that is literally peak charlie austin um and i couldn't help but laugh although i don't want him to be injured but it is it is does seem to be true so i think definitely using him in the right situations in games where his skill set is going to be best for us, I think, is what we need to do. I don't necessarily see Man City as being that match. I think he needs a certain kind of, of game plan, and I don't think we're going to be able necessarily to execute that against uh, Manchester City. I think we're going to have to play um, probably Long or Gabbiadini. I I would almost go with Long as as your your kind of hope is to, to hit the long ball over the top, but Man City are probably going to play uh, three center backs, so just having one striker is going to be, he's going to get kind of out outmanned no matter who it is so uh, we'll have to see what Pellegrino has up his sleeve uh, for that uh, Candler who's at Candlerbility um, says do you think Pellegrino learned his lesson or Everton was just really bad uh, I think we've talked about that uh, enough uh, but thank you once again uh, Christian for doing that um, and then Dan asked another question he says do you think that Long still has the quality necessary to play for Saints at this level or should we look to bring someone in in January and I think I like to expand that too do you think we need to add a striker in January regardless of of Long, Gabbiadini and Austin uh, do you think we need somebody else as a striker or would you rather see us improve somewhere else in the attacking third, maybe an attacking midfielder or something like that? Well, in the summer, I thought we needed a. Obviously, I think I said it before, we needed that sort of a uh, cam player. Right. Striker. Um, and I think in January, we do need a striker still. I mean, Austin, like I said, scored today. But I do think that we need to probably, because I saw an article Obviously, it's not the best of sources, so I wouldn't get too excited. But the Daily Mirror said that Austin, Gabardini and Long were all up for a sale in January. The owners apparently put all three up for sale, so due to their performances. But I don't think selling all three would necessarily help us. I think if, if I could see something happening, I could see Long leaving and someone coming in but then he might want to keep up Long as an option and have four strikers. But I definitely think, regardless of Shane Long's 
position at the club, I think we do need to bring in someone in January to give us that push. Either yeah. a camp striker. I just think we need someone that's got goals in them. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I definitely think we need to look at investment in January. I guess the only thing left to, to kind of ask is how you see the Manchester City going game going midweek and then what do you see us happening at Bournemouth? So if I could, uh, I don't often do this, but can we get can we get two predictions from you? Uh, if you don't want to give scores, just, you know, win, lose, or draw for, for either game would be great. Uh, I'll say... I'll say Man City loss. Uh, I think that would be a tough one. Bournemouth. Uh, see, I, I would put that as a game we'd need to win. So I'm going to say win for the Bournemouth game, I think. I think we need to win that. So, yeah. Yeah, Bournemouth. yeah. Because uh, after that, obviously, we go, we go Man City, then Bournemouth. And then we go Arsenal and Leicester. Uh, then we get Chelsea, Huddersfield, Tottenham, Man United. And there is a... And then we turn around and play Crystal Palace. So we we have kind of that run of fixtures where it's not every single game, game after game, is going to be is going to be unwinnable necessarily. And I and I don't mean I don't mean that we can't win those games. But those are games that maybe we don't expect to win. Uh, you would be happy getting anything from some of those. Um, yeah. But there are games in there where we would look at those and expect to win, expect to get something from, expect to take the game to them. It's just can we kind of keep the momentum from game to game with probably changing game plans in terms of how we're going to approach each game. Uh, are we going to be able to make that quick turnaround? And I think that's really going to be where we're going to see if we have the depth in there to be able to execute the game plans and, and can Pellegrino put the right pieces in each game to make sure we kind of maximize our points uh, from, from, from these next couple fixtures over the next couple of weeks. So I think yeah, it will be, yeah. I think it'll be interesting, but um, yeah, I don't expect us to get much from Man City. I'm hoping for a good game. That's really what I'm hoping for. Um, it is midweek. It's the middle of the school week for me. It's the middle of the school day for me. So it means I will either not get to watch it or I'll have to watch it later on. Um, but and then we have another another 5.30 a.m. start next uh, next Sunday. So thank you. And thank you, Sky Sports or BTU, whoever's deciding this for, uh, you know, making everybody, I'm sure, super happy as they travel along the South Coast to uh, to watch us. So, well, it's because they're trying to. The reason it's on the TV is because they're trying to make it into a derby, which but that's that's another total yeah. The back you could go on and on about. But to me it's not a derby, but hey, the T V company think it is, so I'll right. let them crack on with that. Well, I'll just I'll just point out to you our next couple of weekend fixtures for me start times. Um we had a five thirty AM today, we'll have a five thirty AM next week, we'll have a four AM start the following Sunday. And then we're kind of back to the normal seven AM and then against Tottenham it's four thirty AM uh the day after Christmas. So that's gonna be a glorious yeah, morning. Very hectic. Fixtures yeah. all over the place at Christmas. Yeah, um, but we'll let Aiden. I'll, I'll grill Aiden next week on whether or not Southampton Bournemouth is a is a derby or not, and we'll let him explain because uh, he's going to actually be at the at the Man City game, uh, and then we'll we're going to watch the Bournemouth game and, and discuss it, kind of like what we did here. So it should be it should be all right. Yeah, that's great. All right, man. Well, uh, is there anything else left that you would like to say before we uh, shut this down? Um, no, I think that's, I think we've covered everything quite well. I think today, I think everything's been, and it's been a, I said, I wasn't sure how I was going to come into this mood wise, but with the game, but I'm glad it, I'll come in with a happy mood rather than a not so happy mood. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it, it, it was a, it was a fantastic game for us to have this conversation after, you know, um, yeah. it, it makes it, it makes it easier to even talk about some of the, the things that are going wrong when you win. 
you know, because, because it doesn't feel as, as bad, but it's, it was, it was always important just to kind of keep everything in perspective and make sure that we're not just kind of ignoring the issues because, um, you know, I, I tweeted that chart and things yesterday where if you look at, uh, what we're, what we've spent versus where we're at, we're, we're in the bottom four, uh, and all three teams below us have sacked their manager so far this year, um, which, you know, doesn't bode well for, for Pellegrino or the board or anything else, because I think problems are definitely there. There are issues with, with what's going on, but hopefully we'll continue to kind of move forward off this, off this victory. Yeah. That's what I mean. And the key thing is really is after a victory like this, people will say, uh, where obviously we need to build on this. So obviously we'll see not necessarily Man City, but Bournemouth and games that we have chances of winning at, it'll be interesting to see how we move on from that. Because I said Man City is not the best game to follow up with a win, which is that's why I'm a bit gutted. It is Man City really because they're obviously in such great form and obviously they're unbeaten. I don't obviously know how they're getting on currently because obviously I know they're playing against Huddersfield, but obviously they're unbeaten at this stage and obviously they'll. In fact, no, they probably are the best team that I've seen this season. So it makes just shows how hard the task will be in the week. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll put it this way: I'm not going to pull the Man City players out of my out of my fantasy team. They're going to stay. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I was going to say I'd keep them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to. No, don't worry. Um, but uh, Jay, it's been it's been great to talk to you again. Um, I, I appreciate your willingness to come on and uh, and talk about not just the team, but also uh, you know the other issues that that you know we we are dealing with. So I appreciate that, and uh, you're always welcome here. And uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, man. And that was my conversation with Jamie Grant. You can find his work at The Saints Report on Twitter and Instagram. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you do not miss the things they have going on over there. Uh, On that note, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcast to be sure that you do not miss an episode. We'll be back next week with Aiden Osman to talk about Man City and Bournemouth, and hopefully we have good things to talk about there. You can also follow the show on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore IVERY or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. We'll also take any feedback you have for the show, be it positive or negative. We're always looking to make the show better. Uh, If you are really enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, That is a nice way to help us spread the word about the show. Uh, So please, if you're interested, do that. It is much appreciated. And with all that being said, uh, I just like to say to Jamie, uh, thank you, Jamie, for your time, uh, for being willing to come on and sacrifice that time with your family to talk to me about Southampton and also being willing to share your story uh, about depression and and the ongoing struggle with that uh, with everybody here. And hopefully that helps and encourages somebody out there who's dealing with that to know that they're not alone. They can talk to somebody and uh, hopefully that helps. And that is really the goal of doing that. And uh, I know it's not easy. So I, I really do appreciate Jamie doing that. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's it. So that pretty much does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans. Um, and now uh, I'm going to go. Like I said, like I tweeted earlier, um, in somewhat of a food coma because we can't just have turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and gravy for Thanksgiving. Um, my Italian side of the family, my mom also has to make 15 pound lasagnas, um, which I want to eat more of. So, uh, until next time, remember that together we march on.